Human remains were found at Mayakahachi Park. Now the question on everyone's mind is, could they be Brian's remains? Following the FBI press conference at the park, Bertolino released this statement. Chris and Roberta Laundrie were at the reserve earlier today when human remains and some of Brian's possessions were located in an area where they had initially advised law enforcement that Brian may be. Chris and Roberta will wait for the forensic identification of the human remains before making any additional comments. And yet the news outlets, indeed Fox News just yesterday, had an anchor and pundits on their air setting forth how the laundry parents and myself were communicating with burner phones with Brian over the last several weeks. I don't understand what the public doesn't understand. Everyone from the FBI to local enforcement to news reporters to the laundry family has confirmed that area of the park was underwater. This is just silly. So if I'm the only one who has to say that this is hogwash because I didn't want to say the word bullshit, then I'm going to say it. It's bullshit. And I'm sorry if John Q. Public doesn't get that. You are listening to Speaking of Crime. We know a lot of you listen to podcasts while you're working out, which is why we wanted to introduce you to Swear Showerless Shampoo. Swear helps you save time by offering a new way to clean your hair quickly after working out or when you're in need of a refresh. We know dry shampoo leaves a residue and gets clumpy and itchy in your hair, so you'll be excited that Swear Showerless Shampoo has no residue or harsh ingredients. Best part? Swear is offering a 20% discount to Speaking of Crime listeners with code WHODIDIT at checkout on their site, www.swearhair.com. That's www.swairhair.com. So many things about this day were strange. Why did Chris and Roberta decide to go look for Brian on this day, a month after authorities had been searching for him? How is it possible that within an hour of being at the reserve, Brian's parents were able to find some of Brian's belongings? Had they been in contact with Brian? Did something tip them off to go to this specific area? Let's go back to the day before. The laundry spent five hours running errands and shopping, which many people found suspicious. The errands included a trip to FedEx, Walmart, Bank of America, and AT&T. Considering the stops they made, public opinion was that this trip could very easily have been to get money, food, a burner phone, and supplies to their fugitive son. They shipped a box at FedEx that was labeled Meal Kit on the outside. They visited two different AT&T store locations when the first one they stopped at was closed, making it appear as though the phone store was a crucial stop. Of course, it's easy to assume that this trip was a supply run for their son. However, it's also important to keep in mind that Chris and Roberta have rarely left their home since this saga began, and it could simply have been that they needed to run all the errands they haven't been able to take care of in the past six or seven weeks. Attorney Stephen Bertolino was quite frustrated with the public and all of their assumptions. There's been a lot of speculation, a lot of accusations, um, a lot of uh, 
news outfits have proliferated that misinformation. By early afternoon on October 21st, it was noted that the remains found were skeletal, prompting another influx of questions from the public, mostly questioning how it's possible that law enforcement could be searching for Brian for over a month and the laundries were able to pinpoint the location of his belongings in less than an hour, many speculating that the items were planted by Brian's parents. Others wondered whether or not Brian's remains could in fact become skeletal remains within the time frame that he had been missing. Twitter user at Fifi Dream Girl wrote, So Brian Laundrie's parents just happened to stumble upon his remains on the same trail that the FBI had been searching this whole time? Sure. And user KB underscore 12 tweeted, If the remains found today are indeed Brian Laundrie, my hope is that all those offering reward money will donate it to the Gabby Petito Foundation. It would be one way to get meaning from this tragedy and justice for Gabby, in my opinion. I believe her family has amazing intentions for the cause. Then just hours later, the news came in that the remains were, in fact, of Brian Laundry bringing an end to the nationwide manhunt. The FBI put out a statement that said this, On October 21, 2021, a comparison of dental records confirmed that the human remains found at the T. Mabry Carlton Jr. Memorial Reserve and Mayakahatchee Creek Environmental Park are those of Brian Laundrie. The news release went on to thank the many law enforcement agencies for their investigative support. A total of 11 agencies were mentioned. The remains that were found contained only bones and a partial skull. The search continued on for any other remains that may be in nearby areas. Several K-9 units, along with authorities, and off-road vehicles could be seen returning to the reserve the very next day. Two detectives visited the Laundry family home in Northport shortly before the FBI made its announcement to let the family know that the remains had been confirmed to be of their son. And Bertolino put out this statement. Chris and Roberta Laundry have been informed that the remains found yesterday in the reserve are indeed Bryant's. We have no further comments at this time, and we ask that you respect the Laundry's privacy at this time. Uh, just a short while ago, I confirmed with Chris and Roberta Laundry that representatives from the Northport uh, Police Department visited their home and advised them that the remains were positively identified as those of Brian. We had previously provided uh, items for DNA testing and confirmation, and my understanding is that is what was used to identify the remains. The autopsy of Brian's remains came back inconclusive for manner or cause of death. However, it's important to clarify that Brian's identity has been confirmed through dental records. The bones were then sent to an anthropologist for further evaluation. When decomposition is too advanced for details to be determined through the softer tissues, anthropologists may be able to glean additional information. In a statement to NBC News, Bertolino said, No manner or cause of death was determined. The Laundries have decided not to hold a funeral service for their son and instead will have his remains cremated. Bertolino gave an interview to News Nation 
which seemed to be the longest and most in-depth conversation he has had with anyone since this case was catapulted into the public eye. He shared frustration over many facets of what has been going on, the extent of his relationship with the Laundry family, and that the last time he spoke to Brian was on September 12th and 13th. Yes, I spoke to Brian Laundry on September 12th and September 13th. I've been a friend of uh, Chris Laundry for over 25 years, and when uh, I got a phone call from Chris uh, advising me that he was getting some inquiries from uh, law enforcement, uh, he asked me if I could assist him, and of course I was more than glad to do so. The world is watching this case unfold, and many people are simply not believing what they are hearing. People took to social media to share their thoughts on Chris and Roberta finding Brian's belongings and speculated whether the laundries planted evidence in the park and criticized the FBI for allowing the parents out of their sight. Bertolino seemed incensed about these theories. When did you think this, the, these items were planted? And do you really think the, the laundries had skeletal remains of their son, you know, in a plastic bag and brought them to, to the preserve? Do you realize how ludicrous that is? How aggravating, how maddening it is to even hear those things? And the fact that it's being put out there by the press as well? Bertolino is the only window we have into what the laundries may be thinking or saying. And even though the majority of interviews with Bertolino haven't shed much light on what happened to Brian, or Gabby for that matter, due to client attorney privilege, some fascinating details have been revealed in what has been said, and even in what has not been said. In another interview, Bertolino was asked how Brian was feeling before he left for his hike. How Bertolino responded is very interesting and actually quite revealing. Chris and Roberta knew that their, their son Brian was, was grieving. They knew he was so upset and, you know, they just couldn't control that he was leaving and he left. He walked out the door and Chris has said to me, I wish I could have stopped them, but I couldn't. Brian left his home on September 13th, apparently grieving and very upset. But Gabby's body wasn't discovered until the 19th. What would Brian have been grieving if he didn't already know Gabby was dead? In subsequent interviews, Bertolino tried to explain this away as just a poor choice of words. But it seems to be more of a slip of the tongue that revealed the truth. Ashley Banfield asked the tough questions we all wanted the answers to. Did Brian know that Gabby was dead when he left for his hike? You know, that's uh, it's a tough question to answer other than no. To my knowledge, um, you know, I can't say that he did or didn't. I'm sure the FBI may be able to fill those answers in at a different time. Richard Stafford, the Petito family lawyer, said they are not doing interviews at this time, stating they are grieving the loss of their beautiful daughter. Gabby's family will make a statement at the appropriate time and when they are emotionally ready. 
Josh Taylor said that investigators also found clothing that was consistent with what Brian was wearing when he left for his alleged hike on September 13th. And the remains were found about two to three miles inside the Carlton Reserve, or about a 45-minute walk from the entrance at Mayakahatchee Creek Environmental Park. When asked whether or not a weapon was also found, he said he could not comment. Authorities do have the notebook, and it has been left out to dry to salvage what they can. Josh Taylor said from what he knows, he thinks some of the contents of the notebook are salvageable, and the FBI will use every tool that they have to make sure the notebook is handled with care. Bertolino had this to say about the notebook. I have no idea what's in the notebook. You know, to my knowledge, the notebook was um, something that was maybe on the trip. Um, I've heard many different things about this notebook. You know, I don't know if Brian wrote a suicide note or if he wrote a goodbye note. Um, I don't know if it was just the notebook that contained drawings. Um, We'll have to wait and see what's in there. And when Ashley Banfield asked him if he'd be surprised if there was a confession in the notebook, he said this. After the way this case has played out, I don't think anything would surprise me. Um, at this point, you know, even the fact that the laundries, uh, Chris and Roberta, are the ones who uh, happen to, to find the items and, and the location of the remains, everybody seems to be suspect on that. Uh, there have been so many twists and turns in this saga. You know, I don't think anything would surprise me. Bertolino doesn't think Chris and Roberta will be charged with any crimes in the future, he went on to say. I have no reason to believe that. Conversations were had several weeks ago with the FBI with respect to certain charges. When questioned and when communications were had between myself and the FBI, I think it was realized that charges were not appropriate. There was never a threat, there was never a coercion, there was never a deal cut. So how did Roberta and Chris just show up at the park and locate Brian's belongings within an hour? This is how Bertolino explained it when talking to News Nation. You know, it's not about knowing specifically where to go. The park was just recently opened. I believe it was Tuesday or Wednesday that the park was open. Chris and Roberta wanted to go in the park again to search for their son. Specifically where to go was start at the beginning. And as has been, how shall I say, confirmed, both with a news reporter and with the police department and the FBI being present, they started at the beginning of the preserve. It just so happened that that's where Brian was. So my thought would be anybody who's questioning that, it's not too bright. Chris and Roberta, along with two officers, were spread out on either side of the trail. Chris found a bag containing some of Brian's items, and officers found the backpack on the other side of the trail, which was near the remains. Bertolino said that his clients called him the night before they went to the park and said they wanted to search the reserve since it had been opened again. Bertolino then called police and told them the laundries would be at the reserve at 7 a.m. the next morning. He said the police then met Chris and Roberta out there. Josh Taylor had this to say about the location that the remains were found. It is an area that they had said, you know, is a potential for Brian. 
I can tell you that that area was searched multiple times, but mostly with airboats. I mean, that gives you an idea of the condition that that area was in. In fact, Chris Laundry had been out there roughly about two weeks prior to us uh, being there and wasn't able to get in and see that area. Twitter user at Bella underscore 916 posed a very interesting question. When Brian left and didn't return, his parents claimed to have searched for him for a couple days before reporting him missing. If that's the case, how did they not find him during their search? Wouldn't that area have been dry at that time or low water levels? Another man, Severin Beckwith, had a rude awakening while traveling along the Appalachian Trail with his girlfriend, Anna Bretman. The couple had stopped along the Fontana Lake Marina and asked to make a phone call to get a shuttle. An employee there took Beckwith's photo, which she then reported to the authorities, thinking she had just had an encounter with Brian Laundrie. Later on, as the couple slept in their hotel, they heard a knock at the door And before they could even check who it was, federal agents with riot gear and shields came storming in with their guns pointed at Severin. He spoke to New Yorker magazine and said, Next thing I see is a bunch of guys with riot shields with U.S. Marshals written on them. Handguns pointed at my face. In the end, authorities fingerprinted Severin. He provided his ID and showed the Marshals that he didn't have Brian's tattoos and it was all sorted out. He was a good sport about the distressing incident, even shaved his beard off, and started telling people he met along his hikes that he was not Brian. This case still continues to surprise us. Brian Enton of News Nation revealed some very interesting details that up until now had not been covered by news channels. He said he had held off on reporting that police had installed hidden cameras around the laundry home and one in the neighbor's yard behind the house. This one in particular was installed after Brian had already gone missing, while other cameras were actually installed prior to Brian's disappearance. We don't know at this time what those cameras may reveal. So a lot of you are are interested in the cameras. Yeah, that was one of the... um one of the things that uh, I chose not to report that we saw a while ago, like maybe a month ago, we spotted them. Um, there's a couple that we know about. The one that I posted is in uh, the yard in the house behind um, the laundry's house. And I don't know if, if, for those of you who have been following me since the beginning, um, there was a Facebook, or not a Facebook, a Twitter live that I did in the backyard. Um, uh, behind the laundries and um sorry it's kind of noisy Luis is like packing a bunch of stuff up um anyway there was this twitter live i did in the neighbor's yard behind the laundries and that's when i first discovered one of the cameras and um the neighbor told me about it but obviously we didn't want to report it because no one knew where brian laundry was at that point but i was like super interested in it and examining it and it was actually kind of interesting because they were being live streamed back to police 
So kind of like a little nugget that I never really told anyone. So while I was looking at the camera, the police were looking at me and then called the neighbor right then and they were like, get him out of the yard. Um, so of course we were never gonna report it though until until the time was right. So so there's the, the camera behind the house and there's actually another camera that we found out about that's hidden, uh, that was hidden in a um, like a dumpster. So it's kind of interesting. What's still left up in the air is whether law enforcement will continue to search for Gabby's killer or announce that the investigation is over. Since no charges were officially made against Brian for the murder, and he was only indicted for using two bank accounts that belonged to Gabby, we will have to wait and see what statement the FBI puts out in regards to the murder investigation. Will they come out and say that Brian was in fact their main suspect in the homicide, and therefore the search doesn't need to continue? We will have to wait and see. When Josh Taylor was asked if there was still an ongoing search for Gabby's killer, he said that is certainly not in the Northport Police Department's purview. Just when you think things in this case couldn't get any stranger, they do. Remember the camping trip that Brian and his parents took shortly after he showed up at home without Gabby? while that camping trip took place in Fort DeSoto Park. On Saturday, October 23rd, at 11.46 a.m., Pinellas County Sheriff's Office responded to a 911 call reporting that a gun had been found. Christopher Sacco was fishing with a friend off the shore of Fort DeSoto Park when he thought he had caught a large fish. He lost it once and was determined to catch it. But when he finally got it and reeled in the fishing line, he didn't see a fish at all. He had reeled in a heavy Publix plastic bag. Now, we don't want to get sidetracked here, but can't help but mention that Publix was the grocery store that both Brian and Gabby worked at before they quit to go on their cross-country trip. Inside the Publix bag was a black revolver, which was weighed down. The gun was tied to a rock with red and white twine. Christopher was surprised, to say the least. He said, to actually catch something like that, like a gun tied to a brick, somebody didn't want that gun to be found. Officers are now in possession of the gun and have placed it into evidence. On Sunday, October 24th, Chris and Roberta left their home for the first time since they learned of their son's passing. Leaving in their red Dodge Ram, while being followed by news crews. At one point, Chris dropped his truck to get out and speak to the press, asking them to please let me grieve with my family. Many people, including the protesters outside the laundry home, wondered where Chris and Roberta had gone. Bertolino released this statement. The family is grieving privately somewhere in Florida. Gabby's memories will be cherished, and the good she brought into the world will continue on, not only through the way she has reached and impacted so many people, shown a bright light on domestic abuse, but also through the Gabby Petito Foundation that her parents started so that her life would not be taken in vain. The Foundation's mission is to address the needs of organizations 
who support locating missing persons and to provide aid to organizations who assist victims of domestic violence situations through education, awareness, and prevention strategies. We wish to turn our personal tragedy into a positive. It is our hope that Gabby's Foundation will bring these important issues into the forefront of the public eye to the benefit of all our communities. The very first fundraising event was held at the 89 North Music Venue in Pachago, New York, just 10 minutes away from where Gabby grew up. Hundreds of people packed the venue, raising almost $14,000 throughout the evening. There was a line out the door to get in, and approximately 200 people showed up within the first hour. Rick Stafford, the family attorney, said, Through donations like today, we will hopefully be able to directly help women and individuals that are in abusive relationships. Gabby's family, however, was missing in attendance, as they were in Wyoming collecting their daughter's remains, grieving her loss, and visiting the area where her body was found. Many firefighters from the Blue Point Fire Department, where Gabby's stepfather Jim is currently a fire captain, were present and volunteered in any way possible, from food to security to handling the door. Assistant Chief Sean Meehan said, We're firefighters. We're volunteers. So we're volunteering to help out a good cause. He said Gabby is like a family member, and the department would help out in any way they could. The event was a very positive first step in accomplishing the goal the family had set out for the foundation. Friends, family, and supporters, many wearing Justice for Gabby bracelets, came together to raise awareness for domestic violence victims and missing people. Many people attending the event were touched by Gabby's story and shared similar sentiments about coming together and showing their support, referring to Gabby as America's daughter. Attendee Skip Swan said, We are family. It's as simple as that. And Donna Wilhelm said, It's bringing a lot more knowledge of how many people go missing. Maybe their families will have the closure that they need. The family is driven to make Gabby's life matter by helping others who don't get the kind of support they receive. We also got some answers to how Brian was able to leave his home while under surveillance. On Monday, September 13th, Northport police saw Brian leave his home in the Gray Mustang. Then, two days later, on Wednesday, October 15th, the police thought they saw Brian arrive back at home. But really, it was Roberta Laundrie who went and retrieved the Mustang from the reserve and pulled into the driveway. She was wearing a baseball cap. Not getting a clear look at her, police mistook her for Brian as she walked into the home. This is why the police said in press conferences at the time that they knew where Brian was. They thought they had seen him arrive at home and not leave since. As we know, shortly thereafter, the Laundries reported their son missing. Josh Taylor said, When the family reported him on Friday, that was certainly news to us that they had not seen him. We thought we'd seen Brian initially come back into the home on that Wednesday. They had returned from the park with that Mustang. So who does that, right? 
Like if you think your son's missing since Tuesday, you're going to bring his car back to the home? So it didn't make sense that anyone would do that if he wasn't there. So the individual getting out with the baseball hat we thought was Brian. On the evening of Wednesday, October 27th, the memorial that was set up for Gabby on the front lawn of the laundry home was removed by city officials. A man could be seen loading up all the flowers, signs, cards, and mementos into the back of a pickup truck shortly after 8 p.m. Josh Taylor said that the memorial had to be removed due to storms and extreme weather that was expected in the coming days. A statement released read, Ahead of severe weather, the city of Northport has received several complaints about signs located on Wasabo Avenue. Per city sign code and storm water code, these signs are in violation and are not allowed in the road right of way. It's interesting, however, that the city has seen severe weather on previous days and the memorial had not been removed. And neighbors have seemed to be the ones leaving some of the mementos and signs. So who these complaints came from, we don't know. In light of all the missing persons cases we've been covering, we wanted to share this invaluable tip we came across online for anyone who is ever stranded or lost. And needless to say, only do this after calling 911 if you're ever in an emergency. Twitter user at Terrapin Pete offered this advice. If you ever get lost while hiking or get stranded on the road, change the voicemail on your phone, giving your approximate location, date, time, and details of your situation and your plans. If your phone dies, people trying to reach you will have a place to start looking. Many people, including Gabby's mom, Nicole, and Jen Bethune, who located Gabby's white van in her own travel footage, have been asking the public to follow Gabby's YouTube and Instagram accounts to help make Gabby's dream of becoming a successful vlogger come true. And people have been listening. Gabby's Instagram, at Gab's Petito, currently has 1.3 million followers. And her travel video on YouTube with the name Nomadic Static has 6.1 million views. Let's show our support by doing the same and following Gabby. Together, we can amplify the family's message and help more people who may be in Gabby's unfortunate situation. Mm -hmm.